welcome to Dungeon Seekers. I'm Mackenzie. And I'm Steve. And this week we are continuing the Keeping It Classy series. Uh, we're going to be talking about damage dealers. The One of the classes that's nearest and dearest to my heart because it's where I got my start being a wizard. Um, and uh, yeah, they are uh, every bit of the term uh, glass cannon. Not so much anymore, uh, but definitely when we started in 3.5, they were absolutely glass cannons, um, which is the term that we use uh, basically to describe people that can deal out crazy amounts of damage on any given turn, like with one shot, uh, but then uh, go unconscious by a paper cut. So yeah that that is definitely an accurate description um yeah we both tend to gravitate towards magic users but those aren't the only damage dealers in the game um so let's go on ahead and start with one of the classes that i'm always intrigued by but i feel like i would be an awful awful person to play them um rogues uh for me like, even though I tend to play magic users, when I think of, like, just damage healers in general, rogues, I feel like, are the first ones that pop into my head. Um, because I feel like a lot of times they're kind of the first ones into the fight. Right. They're very sneaky in that regard, both literally, because most rogues uh, lend themselves to being very sneaky, either assassins or thieves or something having to do with sneaking around and stuff. Um, but their main ability, is, at least when combat is concerned, is sneak attack, which uh, certain conditions apply, and then they, depending on the class, will deal, or depending on the level, rather, uh, will deal out extra amounts of damage, and that only increases as you increase in levels. Um, so they're super, uh, they're super good at sneaky stealthiness in that regard, but also very well sneakily deal out crazy amounts of damage. Right. So with rogues, uh, their primary ability is dexterity. So they're really good at getting in, doing a lot of damage, and then getting out before the enemy realizes what happened. Um, one of the... I I don't want to say my favorite ability of all classes, but one of the things that rogues can do that I'm really jealous of is disengage. Yeah, well, I mean, well, the the thing is, so any class can disengage. You can disengage no matter what class you are, well, isn't? But it is an action that you have to take. So instead right. of attacking or instead of casting a spell or something, uh, you would use your action to disengage. Now rogues can do that as a bonus action, right. so they can move up, they can do their attack, and then they can use their bonus action to disengage and uh, get and out of there. Right. And the benefit of that is that they can move away without provoking an attack of opportunity, which means that whoever they just attacked gets to attack them back as a reaction. Um, so there are a couple of other things that rogues can do as a bonus action that most other classes can't do, uh, but that is their primary thing. You know, uh, they're With their bonus actions, they're basically their bonus actions allow them to move around the battlefield a little bit better than most other classes. Right. So rogues, have their hit die is a D8, so they don't have the most health in the game. They also tend not to have the least. So they're what I would say is relatively average overall. Yeah. So they're not 
going to be super strong as far as being able to take hits. They can take one or two and be fine uh, for sure. Um, but they typically don't have enough health that they want to try to tank, um, which no. is why being able to disengage as a bonus action and GTFO is a really, really nice feature. Yeah, uh, our last episode on tanking, uh, you definitely don't want to do that with a rogue. Uh, also because your armor class isn't going to be very high because uh, you're not going to have those super heavy, high, you know, the, the heavy plate mail or any sort of metal armor because that's mm -hmm. going to get, you know, that's going to get in the way of you stinking around with all that metal clanking around because uh, they, they definitely prefer leather armor because it's made of hide. Yes. Um, so with rogues, one of the benefits that they have over tanks, though, is that because they typically have pretty high dexterity, a lot of times they have uh, bonuses to their initiatives. Mm -hmm. So they tend to be one of the first people in the party who really engages with the enemy, uh, which really works in everyone's favor. Um because of the fact that they can sneak attack and then disengage. So the party kind of gets a jump on the enemy before they know that anyone's there. Yeah, and if you take the assassin subclass with rogues, uh, if you uh, if you are that first person in the door and do do a sneak attack... Do-do. If you are the first person in the door and are able to get that sneak attack off... Uh, and uh, actually act before your opponent does, then you do additional damage with the assassinate feat. Uh, so you get the additional assassin dice, you get the additional sneak attack damage, and then you get the damage of whatever it is that you ended up actually hitting with, whether it was you know your dagger or uh, crossbow or something like that. Um, you know, either way, dexterity lends itself to either your ranged attack or your up close finesse weapons. Um, you know, again, with the rogue, you're not going to be running in with a long sword or any, you know, great axe or anything like that most of the time because strength isn't your priority when you're a rogue. So weapons that would lend themselves to a strength like, uh, you know, someone like a barbarian or a fighter, you know, you're more likely to go with a dagger or something like that, which doesn't really do a lot of damage. But when you start adding up all the other things around it, definitely uh, can add up very quickly. Right. When you're able to get in and attack and get out, the element of surprise definitely works in your favor. You get um, additional bonuses for that. So even if, you know, the weapon that you're using doesn't do a ton of damage on its own, that bonus that you have, uh, like your sneak attack bonus, definitely works in your favor in that case. Mm -hmm. So even though you might not have the most powerful weapons in the group, you're still going to, I don't want to say be able to carry your own, because at the end of the day, the enemy is going to be looking for someone to come after. But you can get in, get out, and generally do pretty well for yourself. Oh yeah, definitely. So other types of melee um, damage dealers typically are going to be some of our tanks mm -hmm. um, and even some of our healers um, depending on you know how they decide to play the character. So like rangers are a good one. 
Rangers can be good. Um, they're not. They're. They're. Uh, it depends on. I feel like how they spec. Yeah, and you know, again, that's kind of one of those things where Rangers are very versatile. They can do a lot of things good or well. Um, they're not really, you know, going to be that person that does. They're you're not going to use your ranger as your primary in any real regard. You know, but I, I hate to say it like that, but at the same time, if they have like an animal companion that they can send in to do mm -hmm. melee damage, a lot of times that's a little bit of a a bonus because their animal companion can do melee damage while they're usually doing like range damage or healing. Yeah, well, I mean, I actually ha uh, in my in the game that I run with my students in school, uh, they I have two different rangers. They have two different rangers in that group. There is one that's your typical ranged uh, ranger, um, and then you have one of them actually take took the two the the dual weapon fighting the two weapon fighting so they wield two, uh, like a scimitar and a short sword or something mm -hmm. um just because they can and because they are still finesse weapons as well you can still add the dexterity instead of a strength um so they are still you know they, they usually again it's kind of that situation where they shouldn't be tanking but they end up tanking sometimes anyway because it's the only other person <laughs> that does melee is the cleric um and uh that gets yeah yeah, they're they make it work. I don't know how, but they make it work. I it's mean, an interesting group. They're uh, kids. They <laughs> are creative. Um, but he also has uh, certain spells that he likes to. He doesn't have the typical uh, hunter's mark, which most most rangers. It's like the first spell that you use because it's a concentration, uh, and you just add additional d6 or whatever it is uh, to each every time you hit. Um, but he doesn't have that, but he does have Cure Wounds that he only uses on himself. Uh, and he has, like, Fog Cloud, which uh, he uses very usually to escape something because he likes to get arrested. Um, oh, that, he that student. Yeah, yeah. He, I don't know why he wasn't a rogue instead because most of the things he does as his ranger are very roguelike. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but, yeah, that's so he, – he will do a little bit of everything. Um, but there's no, you know, you don't rely on a ranger to tank or to heal or to anything. They're definitely secondary in all of those things. They're a support character. Right. Um, another support character would be druids. Mm -hmm. Um, they can heal. They, if necessary, they can tank in beast shape, mm -hmm. um, as well as, uh, do melee damage depending on what beast shape they take. Um, typically, they are more magic users. Um, yeah. But it really depends on the person playing. Yeah, and I mean, you can take a look at, you know, when you start looking at spell charts and, you know, how many spells, how many spell slots, especially when you're playing 5th edition, uh, how many spell slots they have versus how many spells they compare and that, ki that kind of thing, you can kind of see which ones are more heavily with spellcasting and more uh, the classes that use spellcasting in a supportive role or as a boost role. You know, you take a look at paladins and they don't have a lot of spell slots and they don't really have a lot of spells that they can prepare. So they use their spells more in a uh, supportive role, either to buff their teammates to maybe heal a little bit, or more often than not, uh, they'll use them for those extra radiant damage or, you know, extra sort of strikes. So they'll do like a, you know, some sort of divine strike or radiant smite or, 
you know, all the different smites that they can do. Blinding smite and branding smite and all of these things. They're very smiteful yeah, people. Yeah, they, yeah. I was trying S to think of another pun. But, uh, nope, but smiteful orcs. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but they, you know, so right off the bat, they can do that as a bonus action and have that going basically until they hit. Uh, to do that extra 4d6 or whatever it is, and then sometimes even with an additional uh, effect on top of it. So paladins are actually a really good damage-dealing class as well when you get down to it. I feel like everyone hates on paladins, but at the end of the day, they're just really good at a lot of things. Uh, the only person that I've ever, hate on, that I've ever heard of hating on paladins is you, so I don't know. The internet hates on paladins. I don't hate paladins i think it's more the kind of people who play them but that's another story for another day um so obviously um any of the classes that we kind of talked about last week with tanking have the ability to rather than tanking just be a damage dealer because they're tiny uh, apparently i'm allergic to talking about paladins um so they they all have the ability of doing melee damage, being a damage dealer. Um, that's one of those. It really depends on what subclasses they go with mm -hmm. um, and how they choose to play the character. Um, same goes for uh, most of the most all of the healing classes and um, using magic. So there are some classes though that are strictly just spell casting damage dealers who are here to ruin your day and those are our favorites oh yeah of course uh you know wizards are where i got my start um now i feel like compared to sorcerers and warlocks wizards often are going to be used not so much as that standard glass cannon although you absolutely can but because of the way a wizard prepares their spells and can learn their spells and because they have access to a lot more spells than your sorcerer or your warlock they kind of lend themselves to be a little bit more utilitarian and a little bit more versatile in that regard they have a lot more spells that you can use outside of combat um, but uh, make no mistake when it gets down to it wizards are absolutely going to ruin your day if you are on the wrong side of a fireball or lightning bolt or you know whatever the case is right um so wizards their hit die is a d6 so they're one of the most squishy of characters in yeah. D&D. Um, their primary ability is intelligence, mm -hmm. um, which makes a lot of sense. Um, just in general with the um, spellcasters, intelligence, wisdom, charisma, those are all going to be their primary focus. Um, whereas strength is usually towards the bottom. Um, Constitution, it depends. Yeah, there's a there's a term for that called muscle wizard, where you just for some reason put all of your, you know, put some points into your strength, your constitution, um, and you know D and D doesn't necessarily lend itself to doing that. Um, they really want you to kind of stay, you know, know your place, kind of stay to the corner or you know to the side. You, as a wizard, do not want to get involved in any lengthy time up close and personal unless you're doing, you know, some sort of touch spell that you absolutely have to get up close and personal. Otherwise, you know, your hit points are there just so you don't 
die because of a paper cut, like I said. Um, you know, you don't, you're not going to get into any sort of lengthy fight if you're a wizard, and because it's, it's not going to last long anyway. Right. It's one of those if you're a wizard and for some reason you're on your own, well, good thing you can do a lot of damage at once. Yeah, that happened once. Uh, <laughs> um, so sorcerers are very similar in the sense that uh, their hit die is the D6. Um, so they their primary ability is charisma. I'm trying to think of a good like pop culture kind of who would be a good example of a sorcerer kind of personality. Uh, I mean, Iron Man kind of. Without the, if you take away the armor itself, because a sorcerer right. wouldn't be caught wearing armor because it gets, you know, <laughs> in the way of them casting spells. That so that's the other thing. Uh, wizards and sorcerers most of the time are not proficient in wearing armor because. Uh, you know, there's a lot of hand waving and that kind of stuff that they do in part of casting spells. So they they usually cannot wear armor, and they would usually take some sort of penalty or just flat out would not be able to cast uh, magic, cast spells until they take it off. Um, so that also lends itself to not having a very high armor class. Um, but sorcerers, you know, because they go in, they are, you know, their magic doesn't come from a lot of intense studying like a wizard does. So uh, they're just they just have it and they're yeah. good at it. Yeah, it just naturally it's that natural uh, je ne sais quoi, the natural uh, cul-de-sac. OK, uh, so <laughs> a little bit of a different kind of spell casting than sorcerers and wizards, um, which I am currently playing, would be a warlock. So their hit die is a D8 instead of a D6. So they're not quite as squishy, um, but they are very limited into as to how many spells they can really have and how many they can use. So um, there are plenty of memes out there that all Warlocks cast is Eldritch Blast um, and Others in our current campaign have commented on this as well. Although, to be fair, and I always usually say this as well, when a warlock has a... So part of the thing is the Eldritch Blast is a very large component of being a warlock, but there are certain uh, feats and certain... Uh, what are they actually called for a warlock? There's... Um, packs. Not packs. Not packs. Uh, the... Um, I'm blanking on what what they're called. The there's the other special abilities basically that you can. Sorts of hard. There's other there's a word for it, um, but basically other abilities that you can get because you're not really that huge spell casting thing. Mm -hmm. um, invocations. That's what that's the. Oh yeah. That, that's that. the word that I'm looking for. So you can do other things to kind of boost up your eldritch blast. So you can add you know your you add your charisma bonus to an a. a a damage roll and something like that. But when you're consistently doing at the bare minimum 2d10 damage per hit, it's nothing to sneeze at. Um, yes, most of the time when you're talking about a, f uh, a damage dealing magic user, you're talking about, you know, multiple dice. You're talking, you know, a fireball that does 8d6, uh, you know, at, at the bare minimum and, you know, other sorts of things like that. So when you're looking at it, yeah, Eldritch Blast is a cantrip but it's also one of the most potent cantrips that you can come up with. Um, right. I think a lot of people 
tend to shy away from warlocks because of the fact that they have very few spells that they can prepare and very few spells that they can really use. But the ones that they do have, uh, they're not. It's not necessarily that they're overpowered. It's that they kind of make up for the limit as far as variety goes. Um, and I think a lot of people, because I'm rolling like three damage dice instead of eight, they think, oh, well, you're not doing as much damage as you would if you were a wizard or a sorcerer, but I'm rolling like a d10 or a d12 instead of a d6. And so it's one of those, I feel like warlocks a lot of times are underrated. They use, you know, they basically use their magic as a weapon instead of, you know, shooting a bow and arrow or hitting with a sword every time. They're going to use that Eldritch Blast or they're going to use some of their other more potent cantrips. Right. They're not Um, really there to buff so much as just to ruin someone's day. However. Usually they're out for vengeance. When they do cast one of those, like, two spells that they can do uh, per rest, um, the thing with Warlocks is that they usually don't cast it at the same level as they know it as. So, for example, uh, Fireball is a third level spell in 5th edition. Um, but when you cast it at a higher level, instead of you doing the base 8d6, you're going to add an extra d6 for each level above third that you cast it. So, for example, if you cast it as a fourth level spell, you're casting it, you're hitting 9d6 fire damage. So, with Warlocks, it's the just higher whatever spell level you are at yeah. is what you cast. Yeah. At. So the higher you get, you go up. You know, if you're like seventh or eighth level, you're going to start casting spells at like fourth or fifth level right off the bat. So you get those extra damage dice n- just regardless uh, when you start casting those spells. So they get more, more and more potent as you go on, just right, right off the bat. Yeah, it's one of those. The way that they prepare their spells and use their spells is just, it's very different from what people who typically tend to play spellcasters are familiar with. Um, and they they tend to, I mean, just based on the, the nature of the characters, they tend to be out for some kind of revenge. Mm-hmm. Um, not that other classes don't tend to be, but I think warlocks are typically thought of as like not great people, uh, kind of out for blood. Well, I think that partially, most of the time, when you're talking about a warlock, you're talking about someone that has been granted uh, this power by some sort of super powerful being. Most of the time, uh, the kind of person that would make that kind of deal you're looking at someone that's going to make that kind of deal with a super powerful being that's not necessarily having the best intentions for the general population in mind. So you're talking about some sort of, you know, yeah, fiend or old Cthulhu type, you know, entity. You know, you're not talking about uh, a good, a good, you know, patron usually. Um, there are definitely those good patrons or those kind of more just neutral patrons that you just go and you have some sort of deal with and some sort of bargain. And that's how a warlock gets their powers. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the cool things I feel like with warlocks is you have a lot of opportunity to kind of fit backstory into it. Um, not that you can't with other characters, but I feel like it's really important with warlocks. 
Yeah, I would say it's probably more important than some other, you know, because you have a patron. traveling people. Yeah, most of the time, your patron sends you on this mission. Right. You know, they don't just say, "Okay, well, I gave you the, these all these powers, and I don't want anything in return." The kind of person that's going, they're the kind of uh, super powerful being that's going to give you some power is definitely going to want something in return. So I think that's why most of the time warlocks have more are more definitely more story motivated. Mm -hmm. So if that appeals to you, definitely check out a warlock because they are super cool and super fun to play. Also, right. If you just if you think that magic is cool, but you don't really you don't want to dig as deep into the backstory, but you still want to be able to like throw fire and ice and magic in general at people like i feel like sorcerer is probably the best if you don't really want to have to focus too much on the backstory because typically it's just it's a natural ability for them yeah and also uh you know i will say from first-hand experience playing a wizard especially uh when you don't really have a whole lot of guidelines for it and you kind of have to learn a lot of on your own wizards do require a lot of research and they do kind of require a lot of planning um, mostly because that's just straight up how wizards get their spells. They get mm -hmm. them by studying and they get, you know, first you have the whole wizard spell list and it, it, it's, you know, the biggest spell list that there is. And then you say, okay, from all this spell list, now you have to come up with spells that you would add to your personal wizard spell book. And then from there, from your spell book, you have, you know, spells that you can actually prepare for the day. And then from those spells that you can prepare for the day are the spells that you can actually cast. With Sorcerer, it's just you have these spells and you know them, and then you have your spell slots, and then you have all these other things that you can do. You know, Sorcerer points are really cool, too, and depending on what subclass you do or, you know, certain other features and that kind of thing. Um, but if you're looking to play a spellcaster but not really want to get too much in the, you know, either in the backstory or in the research and homework and stuff. Uh, a sorcerer or even a bard would probably be good as well. Um, but sorcerer is definitely that happy me medium of you have enough versatility where you're not going to be casting the same one or two spells over and over again, but also enough flavor where you can kind of, you know, not have to think too much. Right. And I feel like just in general, a spellcaster is going to require a little more thought than like a you know a melee or even ranged attack um well you know like your, your general typical standard fighter or you know barbarian right. or that kind of thing when you're when especially uh, or at least in combat when you're saying okay i'm going to either use my battle axe or i'm going to use my longbow or if you know in combat you're not going to be really casting a lot of spells or anything like that and you don't really have to worry about other people's placement on the field and that kind of thing you know which a spellcaster sometimes has to do when they're looking at things like fireball or lightning bolt or you know other area of effect spells that your you know party members might get in the way of and then it's their own darn fault because they should know that you're going to cast fireball. Right. Um, not that they always do or not that they always care until they're unconscious. Um, but I feel like for me playing a spellcaster every single game I play um, it's very much 
I'm like, okay, on my turn, I'm going to do this. And then someone else in the party does something that I'm like, okay, well, I can't do that now. Let me try really fast to come up with something else uh, because you really do have to worry about what everyone else is doing. Um, because say you're like, oh, I'm going to do this and do all of this damage to this one person, then someone else is like, oh, oh, I'm going to attack this other person who's not involved at all. And then you're like, okay, um, crap, let me find a different spell to use that will keep them from getting their ass kicked. Um, so I feel like with spellcasters, you can either be like the super irresponsible, like I'm just going to, that was him. I'm just going to fuck shit up, and if you're in the way, then it sucks to suck. Or you can be like, what can I do that helps everyone the most and isn't going to do any damage to anyone but still do a decent amount of damage to the enemy because I can't do this because this person will probably get hurt. Um, so I feel like in that sense, you kind of have more responsibility as a spellcaster, whether or not you care is a completely different story. So is what you're saying that with great power comes great responsibility? Nope, I'm not saying that at all. Um, I'm saying I hate with you. With great power comes great responsibility. Whether or not you actually care about that responsibility is a completely different story. True. I didn't want to agree with you, but here we are. Um, so yeah, those are... When I think of damage dealers, I, like I said, rogues, but then really like those classes that like they don't really heal, they just ruin your day. Yeah, I mean, th the thing is, you know, like when, when we're talking about at least in combat, you know, uh, a cleric's role most of the time in combat is going to be to heal and to make sure that people don't die. Can they definitely, can they do other things? Absolutely. You know, can you have your cleric tank or can you have them be the damage dealer? Absolutely. But uh, their first and primary role is to be that healer and to make sure that, no, you know, or at least try to mitigate the damage on your side. You right. know, a barbarian, your fighter, those are people that, you know, when you're in combat, those are going to be your tanks. Those are going to be, they can be the damage dealers, but their job is to really kind of be that, uh, you know, target first. So that the rogue can come in and, and get their sneak attack, you know, sneak attack damage on, or you know, that kind of thing. You know, with a sorcerer, with a wizard, with a warlock, in combat, most of the time, their you know their job is to stay back and either see if you can do some sort of their crowd control. You know, yeah, you know, their crowd control. They can say, okay, if I can hit multiple enemies in one go without having too much collateral damage on our side, I'll go for that. Right. And a lot of times it really depends on the makeup of the party and how well everyone communicates with each other as mm -hmm. far as who's doing what during the battle. Um, if your tank is a paladin and they can keep themselves healed, then your cleric can probably jump in and do some damage. Um, if you know the paladin's the only one really taking damage, they the cleric, instead of just focusing on keeping everyone alive, can add a little bit more to the fight. Um, Guiding bolt. 
like that. Uh, it really just, it's a matter of communicating. Um, not everyone's great at it, which is how a lot of people end up unconscious and Most don't TPKs. know how. Um, or some sometimes somehow a squishy damage dealer ends up front and center and accidentally ends up tanking, and that's never good. Um, well, and that kind of comes down to again that you know we talked about last episode with the barbarian that or you know that that tank that's kind of hesitant to be the first one in the, in the door when you have a character that is supposed to be the tank. And they're supposed to be the one first one in the door and, you know, the first one doing, you know, absorbing or, you know, be that right. focus of attention. And they're not doing that. And then it's left up to the wizard to say, all right, fine, I'll do it myself. Or we've seen a cleric kind of try to tank. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That was not ideal. Uh, it wasn't, especially because, to my knowledge, at least at the time, you didn't really have a secondary healer. Right. You kind of did because you, know, you were having you had your druid. Or no? Mm. Are we talking about the? No, we're talking about when when Chris was a cleric. No, I'm so, like yeah. when you were DM. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, well, not when you, I was right. DM. So then, at least you had you as your druid, and that could be a secondary <laughs> healer and that kind of thing. Right, but it turned into I kind of had to be the primary healer, and I was not prepared to be the primary healer because he'd be like, "Oh, you have enough health that if you go unconscious, I'll worry about it next turn." So I'm just gonna do this, uh, yeah, and I that's mean, really frustrating. That's but that kind of comes down to the expectations of your healer versus the party and that kind of thing, you know. Hence communication. Yes. Get good at it. Use your words. And that on that note, uh, do you have anything else? Um I feel like if you're brand new to the game, you're not sure what you want to do, uh I feel like either tank is a barbarian or I think, what would you say is another good starting class, just in general? Uh, yeah, a barbarian would be a good. Fighter is kind of a good um, one. Rogues are actually really good, too. Um, and if you do want to be a magic user and you want that to be your focus, I would say go with Start a sorcerer. With a sorcerer yeah, sure. definitely go with a sorcerer because uh, there's less homework to do as a sorcerer. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a pure spellcaster. Um, so yeah, you have a, you have a lot more. I feel like with a sorcerer, you have a lot more ability to shape them the way you want, but you mm -hmm. don't have to put too much thought into it. Yeah, definitely. Um. All right. Well, I think that wraps up um discussing the different roles and classes of D and D. So that ends our. Uh, fun three-part Keeping It Classy series. Um, so, yeah, we will see you next week. Um, not sure what we'll be talking about yet, uh, but I'm sure it'll be something at the very least entertaining. It'll be a stink attack. Yeah. That's it. Bye. <laughs>